0: Welcome to the Practical Idealist Podcast, aligning what is good with what is possible. I'm your host, Allison Bueller, Director of the Homestead Education Center in Starkville, Mississippi. Our focus on this show is real change that improves health, home, and community. We are back in the swing of things at the Homestead Education Center. For those of you who are new to the show, we're a nonprofit retreat center located in Northeast Mississippi. We host on-site and online programming designed to help you create a life full of purpose that aligns your values with your actions. And this year, our board of directors is very excited. We've decided to focus all our programming on the theme of conscious living. What do we mean by conscious living? We mean paying attention to how our actions and our choices and our decisions impact our lives and the lives of those around us, and ultimately, our communities and our world. Part of that consciousness has to do with our emotional reactions and realizing that we always have a choice. And we're focusing this this week on families. Every parent I know is struggling with the new realities of technology with their kids. When should I allow them to use it? What's too much? And are we losing our kids to a cyber world? All of these are questions that even the most vigilant parents are asking. As we navigate through this new reality, what is the best practice? Most of us want to know one thing, how can we keep our kids safe? In this episode, we'll talk to just the guy that can help us figure out how to keep our kids safe on phones and tablets. This program is brought to you by the Homestead Education Center. We're a nonprofit organization, and this week we want to welcome our new members who support our programming. Felicia Crawford, Angela Walters, Shanna Klein, Alice Walker, Amy Grant, Katie Peterson, Leanne Gibson, Joy Hardin, Lee Mott, Jason Allison, Melissa Hubley, and Emily Rambo. Members, you support what we do. If you'd like to show your support for our programming and show us that you appreciate our time in producing the show, please jump over to the website at www.thehomesteadcenter.com. That's www.thehomesteadcenter.com. For as little as the price of a fancy coffee a month, you can keep our programming coming. Before we get to the interview, I want to tell you about what's happening at the Homestead this month. We kicked off our year, which in a university town in Mississippi begins in August with our welcome back grass-fed barbecue. Johnny and Deb Ray of High Hope Farm cooked burgers, and some of our Keep It Local sponsors came out to meet our members. Our goal this year was to host a zero-waste event, and we came very close. I took a picture of my husband Mike putting a small bag in the dumpster at the end of the evening after almost a 100 people ate, listened to live music, and swam in the pool. We asked everyone to bring reusable dishes, uh, reusable containers for side dishes, drink containers, and then we set up a dishwashing station that I'd seen at a similar event. Shannon Voges-Hout of Worker Bees brought cloth napkins and took them home to wash them afterwards. It was really amazing to see us go from our usual five or six garbage bags at an event like this to such a small bag. It shows me that small changes, all of us making small changes can make a big impact. And with football season underway in our corner of the world, I hope people will check out the blog that I wrote on green tailgating. Our Nature Kids co-op also kicked off with mothers of preschoolers taking turns on Wednesdays, leading nature lessons at the homestead. And we hosted our first online book club in the member group on conscious parenting that I wish I read when my kids were a little bit younger. (laughs) It turned the role of parenting on its head, and Cassie LaPilio did a fabulous, phenomenal job of leading that discussion all month. This month, we've just started our September book club led by Evan O'Donnell on Barefoot and Balanced, and it talks about the importance of getting kids outside, not just to connect with nature, but also for their physical and their mental development. So join us in the member group. If you're already a member, you've been added. If you'd like to join, just sign up and we will add you today. And mark your calendars for Homestead Day. It's on September 28th. Board member Andrea Bahai has put together a lineup of over 25 presentations and demonstrations on home, garden, and parenting. In one day, you can learn about nutritional needs of children, take an herb walk, learn to keep bees, let your kids ride some ponies, and find out how to make solar energy for your home a reality. It's it's an incredible day, and it's an incredible lineup, and we hope to film some of the sessions to share with those of you who live far away. September member benefits include Entrance to Homestead Day, our online course, Keeping Backyard Livestock. Jump over to the website and sign up today, www.thehomesteadcenter.org. On a personal update, I've been working with a nonprofit group that spun out of the homestead called Friends of the JL King Center. Three years ago, this community raised enough money to put a roof on the building that housed workforce and adult education programming. Last year, that programming funding was cut overnight, but we decided to keep it going with a new partnership with our local community college and private funding. A lot of you are responsible for that. The goal is providing pathways to prosperity, and I'll be talking more about that next month, but it's going really well, and it's so encouraging to people to see people signing up to change their lives. After a nice summer where we hiked a bit of the Appalachian Trail with the kids, around Western North Carolina. I spent most of my time driving my three kids around to uh, three schools all, all last month and getting used to being back in the school schedule. I'm wondering why I can't convince them to just stay home this year. Apparently their friends have become way more important than their parents and they like their teachers. I'm glad for this, but I am tired of driving and I keep telling myself that in one year, my oldest will help me out with the driving routine. I'm trying to remember to enjoy my kids while they're captive in my minivan. On the writing front, my co-author, Lenora Wynn and I are dangerously close to sending the second book in the Big Monty series to press. We're presenting on the importance of minority representation in chapter books for literacy development at the Mississippi Library Association Conference in October, and that is very exciting. Today's program is brought to you by our Keep It Local sponsor, Florida de Lee Flower and Gifts on Main Street in Starkville. I met the owner, Joni Lofton, who told me she purchased flowers from a local flower farm in West Point. And I told her we were her people. Joni became a Keep It Local sponsor for the homestead. And one way you can support her small business is by scheduling every important celebration and event for the year with her. You will never miss a birthday again. Visit our website and click on the Keep It Local icon to see how we're keeping dollars in our community. Now I'd like to introduce you to today's guest. I met Jonathan Chapman last year as he helped me fix cracked screens for my 14-year-old and buy a used phone for my 13-year-old and then he fixed that screen as well. His business is CPR cell phone repair and I asked him if he'd be willing to share his tricks of the trade with parents and he agreed. Welcome Jonathan.
1: Thank you Allison, it's great to be here.
0: Let's start with some realities. First tell us a little bit about how you got into technology and, and why some people are so much better at it than others.
1: Yeah, yeah it it was something I rather fell into. Um, my uh, college degree was actually in theater. I was actually a professional actor for a few years. I actually got paid to be on stage and be in film and commercials and industrials for uh, law firms and things of that nature, but uh, unfortunately that sort of went hand in hand with the, the, uh, the crash of 2008, uh, mm-hmm. that uh, Great Recession, and it did not seem... Uh, prudent to uh, most people at that time uh, to go spend hundreds of dollars on theater tickets uh, when they were having trouble you know keeping their mortgages and paying their bills and keeping food on the table so I basically transitioned uh, what I learned uh, in regards to the to the social and, and presentation aspects of uh, theater arts into a uh, customer service and sales um, sort of focus and uh, I'd always liked the technology um, I had uh, an Apple II computer, if any of your listeners remember that I had an Apple IIe.
0: Yes, 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 Mm yes.
1: And, you know, with the the orange text and whatnot. And uh, that kind of, you know, really got me started into, you know, just seeing all the cool stuff that you could do on those devices, even back then, which was just revolutionary. And uh, uh, it's something that always stayed with me. So I I guess you could say I'm getting into the game rather late, Uh, but um, there's always been that passion there.
0: Well, and one thing you said with the recession, people will always have money for their devices, apparently. So that's not going
1: away. Right, exactly.
0: Well, let's start with some realities. How old are kids when they start using tablets and phones? What's the average age? Do you know that statistic?
1: Yes. um, Generally, the most popular age range for a child to receive their first smartphone is around 10 to 11 years old. Um, But we have seen children Uh, much younger in the eight, uh, eight, nine-year-old category, actually getting those as well. One of our very first customers when we opened CPR in Starkville uh, back in August of 2017 was an eight-year-old that had broken uh, their phone. And when uh, her father was there with her, I was like, oh, so you're, you know, before they told me the story, I was like, oh, you you know, we were kind of joking about it. I'm like, I guess your daughter broke your phone, huh? And he was like, no, this is her phone. And it kind of took me aback a bit that a child that young um uh, would have a smartphone and connection to the internet and you know media social media and ev- everything that, that that is entailed on using those devices that we use as adults in our daily lives that that is that was available to her at such an early age my first device was a flip phone that i got when i was 15 and i thought i was you know the coolest guy on the planet so <laughs> it, it was it was really shocking to see um a child that young um out with those devices, but it—it's it, actually we've even seen younger. Uh, we've nice. seen children ages three and younger that have been given their parents' old devices for entertainment purposes. If you're not, if mom and dad are, are not trading in their phone and just buying a new phone, but they have their iPhone six or whatever, they will actually give it to their three and four year old to use as a as a Wi-Fi device to use, you know, watch YouTube Kids and educational learning. And while on some level that's a great thing in some aspects, it's still shocking that it's that that, that kids are being handed that technology that level of technology quite at that age.
0: Yeah, and we're going to talk about some of the ramifications of those decisions. We were the holdouts. We thought we were not very much of a holdout, but we waited till 7th grade and apparently according to our kids, they were the last people they knew to get a cell phone. So, I can't possibly believe that, but that's how they that's how they interpreted our decision. So, right. let's start with the bad news. Why is why is it important for parents to understand how to safeguard our kids on technology, screen time and and all these these issues surrounding what you've just said, access to just about anything.
1: Right, exactly. Um, It's important because there are so many things that uh, we do think of that we need to protect our children um, from uh, regarding you know access to these online services but there's a lot of things that we don't think about that will impact them further down the line and there are uh you know concerns that parents have about cyber bullying uh, which can start at a much earlier age now that children have uh, these devices and this sort of constant connectivity um, obviously for uh, uh for the tweens and teens you know we have the uh the looming specter of you know having um, rather salacious content, uh, to put it mildly, mm-hmm. uh, shared between them, um, you know, that they think is not a big deal at the time, but it can open them up to, um, you know, all kinds of things like blackmail, you know, uh, uh legal action, you know, imprisonment, even things like that, depending on, you know, what they are presenting, you know, on their devices. Um, you know, we're obviously talking about things like, new, you know, new pictures and things of that nature. Right. Um, uh, you know, personal information. We don't really think about this a whole lot as well, but uh, a child's personal information. You know, a, a child isn't necessarily always able to ascertain who is a friend and who is an acquaintance and who is not, who is someone who should be spoken with and someone who should not be spoken with. And so addresses go out and phone numbers and social security numbers and, you know, any number of things that are that are generally caught by other software or, you know, uh, you know, things other than um, just freely expressing that information, and that information becomes public knowledge, and they're, you know, further down their line, their credit can be compromised, their identity can be stolen. Um, I recently heard a story about a two-year-old toddler uh, who had his personal information stolen and credit cards opened in his name, oh despite the fact he was only two years old, because he knew enough to be able to access social media and, and basically just uh, went places that he shouldn't have gone and clicked things that he shouldn't have clicked on um so it's you know it's it's a myriad of of troubles that can be opened to um, children when they're um, not being you know uh, adequately prepared and educated on how to use these devices
0: yeah and i think it's hard for us as parents to keep up with these things because it's tricky oftentimes i my boys started a youtube account several years ago and they used to make little funny skits and thankfully i was checking these things and so they were receiving messages and some of them were completely, uh, spam pornography that were coming directly targeted toward obviously 12 year old, you know, boys, 10 year olds. Exactly. Well, 12 12- to 14 year old boys. And it's very sneaky and it's hard to keep up with his parents. So can you tell us the big ones? What are we looking for?
1: Um, I mean, honestly, the, there, there's an old saying, and you're probably you know familiar with this one, is that uh, an ounce of uh, prevention is worth a pound of cure. Mm-hmm. And honestly, what it really comes down to is teaching those habits to your children before those possibilities of negative influences actually occur. And one thing that parents don't really think about when they give their children access to these devices, whether it be iPads, you know, cell phones, things of that nature, is that, yes, your child may, uh, it seems like kids these days can, you know, freely and very easily use this technology and they seem to be born, you know, have that knowledge in utero when they come out, <laughs> they're able to, to use these devices better than we as adults are. But one thing a lot of parents don't realize is that kids really do take those cues on Using those devices uh, from their parents, so when we are setting those bad examples, like texting while driving in the car, um, like keeping our phones and tablets with us at the dinner table when we're eating, and where there's always this sort of connectivity, um, you know, where we're not paying as much attention to our children because we're answering a Facebook post or we're doing this or we're doing that, uh, you know, kids pick up on that, and they're just like, well, hey, if mommy and daddy can, you know, sort of tune out, um, you know, during. Things like driving, uh, then I certainly can too. Whenever you know uh, I get to that point, so honestly, it, it's 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 really catching it before it starts is honestly the best thing. And if you imbue your children with those good uh, practices and uh, set those limitations and make those um, you know make those expectations known up front, you know uh, you know let them know basically about what we call digital hygiene, which mm-hmm. is basically. You know, uh, you know, when to use these devices, how to use these devices, um, and things of that nature. Staying within data limits, uh, you know, avoiding that inappropriate content and steering clear of, you know, things like cyberbullying and, and, and uh, exposing personal information to uh, uh, privacy. Uh, they're going to follow the way that their parents use the technology. Right. Um, so use it wisely, and your children most likely will use it wisely as well.
0: Right, and we have to remind ours always that this these are not their devices. These are our devices that we are letting them use. Exactly. So on the flip side, though, there are incredible benefits to kids being so savvy with technology. Can we talk for a minute about
1: those? Yeah, there are. Um, you know, there is this social aspect, and a lot of people, a lot of parents think that their children are actually getting less social because they're using you know, their phones more and social media and Instagram and Snapchat and things of that nature. Uh, that's actually incorrect. Uh, we are not getting less social. We're actually getting too social. Um, we're trying to please everyone that we know or even people that we don't know. And, and while social media is great for staying in touch with people that matter to us, uh, you know, devoting your time and focus to someone that may not be worth that or basically being a part of those platforms simply for clicks and views and likes and whatnot It gives children a false sense of acceptance, and it Mm -hmm. gives them a false sense of what a true relationship really is. So, you know, while while children these days are steering more away from that impersonal interaction, you know, and actually, um, you know, live personal engagement, um, the good news is that uh, with that social media usage, uh, they are broadening that net. Uh, They are broadening that scope of. Uh, people that they know and uh, different cultures that they interact with and ethnicities and sexual orientations and things of that nature. Um, you know, you do get to know more people and you get to have some really great experiences and learn uh, quite a lot using these uh, social media platforms and, and using this digital technology. Um, and then, of course, that goes, you know, hand in hand with uh, learning how they're being used. You know, it's it's not a Uh, fact lost on anyone, that we are becoming much more of a technology-based culture here, and we're moving more towards automation, so there's less blue jobs and more and more things are being automi- uh, automated and computerized and things of that nature and we're going to need a workforce uh, that, that is conversant uh, with that type of uh, technology and the one good aspect of having these devices uh, in these kids hands at an early age is that it's like a, like we said just a few minutes ago you know your five year old can probably fix a settings issue on your iPad better than you can <laughs> yes. you know and and better than my you know not you know against you but you know just you know Parents in general, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing on some levels. And um, you know, I think the, uh, the the challenge is finding that balance between you know getting those positive aspects of that technology and this interaction with you know the new age, basically, and balancing that with those risks that we've discussed here previously.
0: Right. I, I mean, it is like providing. Uh, access to a personal computer to almost everyone it, it makes you know that used to be maybe only the wealthy people had personal computers in their homes and now just about everybody has access to a personal computer and that is that is a positive exactly but let's get practical so let's tell us about let's start with screen time I was blown away when I found out you could go and look at how much screen time your children and yourself boy, it's it's an eye-opener if you look at your own screen time Tell us what we can do to limit that, how we can access, walk us through how to access the screen time and how to limit that and, and all of the um, the loops around how to do that.
1: Right, exactly. And for some of your listeners that may not be entirely familiar with what you're what you're talking about, if they have never heard of screen time settings or if they have just not gotten around to putting that on their children's devices, basically what screen time is, is basically being able to determine... Uh, how much your child is using their devices. And those settings are accessed on your device as a parent, and also, um, you know, to a limited extent, the device that the child is using. So you do have to have, uh, you know, physical access to the child's device, at least initially for the setup. And you basically set the parameters of that screen time. I want from uh, 8 p.m. to, you know, 7 a.m. I want this device to, you know, not be able to, to basically use its screen. This is essentially what screen time is, uh, where the phone basically just goes into sort of like a sleep mode or a paralysis type of mode, or you just can't uh, do more than, you know, making a simple phone call or a text. Um, the problem is kind of like uh, what I think you uh, told me privately and what some other parents are finding is that children are able to get around this Yes. and, uh, you know, there are, since you have a time limitation on things like screen time, children just change the time. It's that simple. They basically go onto their phone and if they know that their time out time, so to speak, is from 10 PM to 8 AM, they'll just change the setting on their phone to say that it's after that time or before that time. And so they're able to use that phone and thereby circumvent those screen time limits. And I wish I could tell you that there is a way to get around that, but let me put it to you this way. We have international governments, you know, billion and trillion dollar govern- governments like the United States. The United States government is still worried about hackers and is still worried about digital security. And why is that? We have the best minds on the planet. We have all this money. We have all this access technology. Why are we still not able to say, hey, you know what? We have a 100% foolproof way to keep you know, people out of what we want them to keep them out of and, and not do things that we don't want them to do. And The simple answer is there is no way around that. Um, You know, you get enough minds together and especially children because they do sort (laughs) of come together and they will sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, band together and talk amongst each other about how to, you know, do things like this, how to get around screen time, what ads or what, uh, um, you know, uh, apps that can download on their phone that will circumvent certain things where they can do things that they, you know, probably shouldn't be doing. And there is no cure all. There is no catch all. It's like I said earlier in the program, really the best thing. To do is that engagement and getting, um, basically getting the uh, the good habits into your children and using those good habits in front of them um, before you know they're actually you know exposed to what what could go wrong basically.
0: Yeah, we ended up having to just put a charging station in by the office and everybody's phones have to go on at that time. That was our only solution.
1: Right. Exactly. And you actually talked to a great point there. Uh, um, There's media-free zones, which is a great thing that a lot of uh, parents and households have done where you say, okay, at the dinner table, there are no phones. Mommy and daddy don't get to have their phone. You know, brother and sister don't get to have their phone, no tablets, nothing like that. And or, uh, you know, you know, a section of the living room or, you know, upstairs, you know, in some area. Basically, whenever members of the family are there you're gonna be connected with each other, you're not gonna be connected with devices. So media-free zones is a great, simple thing that you can actually set up in your household and, and just lay those grand rules uh, for everyone to follow. Um, Something else is uh, – and, Allison, you might remember this when you were a kid. I certainly do. Board games. Do you remember those? <laughs> and puzzles. Yes. You know, we used to – families used to get together around the dinner table or in the living room once or even a few times a week to bond over board games and puzzles, etc. cetera. Um, we need to get back to that. Uh, we need to get back to um, – Because children are using their devices for entertainment. Well, you can supplement that entertainment that they're getting at times when they shouldn't be using those devices with entertainment with the actual family. And it gives you valuable time with your children to engage with them about what else is going on in their lives as well. And you get to set those boundaries. um, And everyone is entertained, which is really the whole point of using these devices. That's right. But my last point to speak of, if you're – uh, looking at something digital that you can do while there is no sort of roadblock uh, to stop uh, those screen time things. There is actually a great app. It's called Forest Stay Focused. And it's a game that you can actually play with your kids. The whole household can do it. And basically it is you grow a tree on your phone. It's kind of like a digital tree. Mm-hmm. But the, the the crux of the app is that the tree only grows if that app is on and nothing else is done. So basically if you deviate from that app, if you check a text message, if you go into Facebook, if you do Snapchat, if you you know do a video or something like that, you're getting away from that app and that tree starts to die or dies. And you can make a game out of it with your kids and with your family, hey, who can get their tree to grow the biggest? And that's by, you know, keeping that app, that app open on their phone, setting it aside, and that is a way for them to get detached from their devices, but also make a game out of it. And, oh, you know, little Billy, your tree grew three meters because you were off your phone for two hours. And that, you know, can be a huge deal to parents that are that have children that are seemingly addicted to their cell phones. So, again, that app is called Forest. Stay focused. It's available on the Play Store from Google and also the App Store with iOS. And it's just a neat, fun little thing uh, where, uh, you're setting a restriction of some kind, but it doesn't feel like it to the child. It's still a game. You know what I mean?
0: I like that. Thank you. What do we do about limiting content access and ads and things like that? Do you have any suggestions?
1: Um, honestly, it's, it's being engaged with your children and it goes back to that, um, that informing them of basically how to use those, those devices correctly, uh, really is what that comes down to. Um, There are things you can do um, on a certain level in terms of, um, you know, changing settings on your router or your modem inside your house so that, you know, everyone basically gets restricted from, you know, certain ads and uh, content access and things like that. How
0: do you do that with your router?
1: Um, Actually, all routers routers have a way that you can actually go into the settings from your computer, and there is, it's actually in the manual of pretty much all routers that you buy at Walmart, you know, Best Buy, whatever okay there's actually uh, inside those manuals they tell you how to configure your router and most if not all of them these days have built-in parental controls they have built-in filters of some kind media filters things of that nature You know, it's pretty much all devices have that built in. You just need to be able to use, know how to access that and know how to use it. And uh, there's a wealth of information online, obviously, at our location, at our store, you know, uh, both myself and uh, uh, Stephen Honnell, who's my technician, who, by the way, I want to give a huge plug to, was very helpful and instrumental in in helping gather this information along with me uh, to present to you today. Um, But, uh, you know, call us if you have any questions. You know, if you're not sure how to set those restrictions, if you're not sure how to, um, uh, you know, to 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 correctly do those settings on your kid's phone, their iPad, uh, on your router, even you know, just just give us a call or stop on by the store, and uh, we'll help you out and give you a little bit more information than you had when you came in.
0: That would be great because it took me about three hours to find those settings on my kid's phone. I should have just brought it to you, <laughs> and then I, they probably <laughs> found out how to override them anyway by now. So um, <laughs> next time I will stop by and, and get some help. Let me ask you this. What do we need to know about physical exposure? You know, you hear a lot of things, but nothing seems concrete yet. Eyesight, uh, you hear about cancer from women putting their phones in their bras or men with their, you know, jean pockets and not using headsets. What, What do we know concretely about physical exposure to phones and devices?
1: Right, exactly. Um, there is no real direct link yet to things like cardiovascular disease or high cholesterol, uh, but there is actually a direct link to obesity, especially in regards with, uh, to children. And basically what that stems from is when children are using their iPhones, their iPads, and they're, and they're sedentary. You know, they're on the couch, they're watching Netflix, they're doing whatever for hours and hours and hours at a time on these devices. You know, what do a lot of us adults do when we're, you know, chilling out and watching Netflix or something? We're usually snacking on something, reading something. And in those situations, children are so focused on what they're doing, what they're seeing, this, that, and the other, those messages to their brain that they are full and they need to stop eating, don't register. And so you have the propensity for children, uh, and there is a, there are multiple studies that link excessive screen time and excessive device usage of preteens and teens uh, to obesity, uh, simply because it does sort of... Um, have that sort of sedentary uh, uh, side effect uh, where you're just engaged with those devices and you're not really doing anything else but looking at those devices. Now, uh, you know, there are counteractive things to that, like certain games like Pokemon Go that are, you know, uh, uh, specifically for getting out and, you know, moving about and walking and things of that nature and visiting historical sites around your town. Um, but, you know, for the most part, that that is a real concern of doctors and uh, scientists these days is that uh, there do seem to be increasingly strong links uh, between obesity and excessive usage, especially of those younger children. So um but yeah, like you said, uh, more, sadly, is probably right around the corner. We are probably going to learn quite a bit more in the coming years of what those direct health uh, risks are, especially in regards to children. Uh, teens uh, have reported sleeping less uh, because they reach for their phones at night. They're not using Do Not Disturb. And so whenever a text comes through or a ping or a message or something like that and their you know phone turns on, they're waking up out of that REM sleep and they're rolling over and looking their phones and it's 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 causing those sleeping uh issues um and insomnia and things of that nature and i've and heard was, about
0: the eyesight stuff with yeah. the blue screens is that have you seen anything on that? yes
1: yeah yeah pretty much all phones these days iphones and android devices have what's called blue light filters in uh, iphones is called the true tone display basically where you can set your phone to look a different way and to have the um for lack of a better term, the the, the rods in your eyes uh, not being um, activated uh, quite as much as they would be otherwise because you are um, you've got a blue light filter on which basically means you're getting uh, you're getting less of the bad light and more of the good light that is that is not straining your eyes. Uh, there are other things you can do like using dark modes uh, for night viewing so if your child does use their phone at night in their dark bedroom you know as they're you know doing homework or, you know, this, that, and the other, um, you know, dark modes on phones, uh, really help with that as well to reduce that eye strain and things of that nature. So, uh, definitely using dark modes for night viewing and and turning on those blue light filters, if they're not already enabled in your settings on your devices is definitely a good thing to do.
0: Okay. And then, you know, you hear all the scary stuff about just Wi Fi exposure and, and, I just read, I think, the new studies on autism and connecting with high levels of aluminum. And it's not the levels of aluminum, but it's the interaction with all the Wi-Fi floating around. Have you found anything new on this?
1: Um, Not really. To be honest with you, the the more concern is really on the devices themselves and where they are in relation to you. Um, So cell phones, by their nature, uh, do put out quite a lot of radiation. And uh, the, uh, the accepted level or distance that scientists and uh, technologists agree with is about 10 centimeters, which is basically the distance from your, your mouth to your phone when you've got your phone to your to your face and talking on it um anything less than that radiation exposure actually increases with proximity so the closer your phone yeah. is to certain parts of your body the more radiation you're getting um so we do not recommend like you said that women keep their phones in the bras that men keep their phones in their front pockets um do other things like have a have a waistband case for men uh, men you know they have clip-on you know belt cases where you can keep your phone further away from uh the bits basically mm-hmm. so to speak <laughs> and um women you know keep it in keep it in your purse you know keep it in you know a, a clutch or something like that that is that is far enough away from your body so that you're you're keeping that proximity more than that 10 centimeters from any vital part of your body and thereby reducing that radiation risk
0: And do you recommend using the earbuds?
1: Um, Yeah, uh, obviously it's just like any other piece of technology that is close to your face or or embedded (laughs) within you. Uh, Don't leave them in excessively. Um, If you're a person like uh, my technician, if he is listening to this or does listen to this, that has his AirPods in all the time, it seems like, uh, that's, that's probably not a good thing to do. So have them in there when you need them. If you're out jogging, running, exercising, if you are, you know, any, any other situation where you need that. But when you're done, put them away um, because you are still uh, getting signals and there is still that radiation and there is still, um, you know, that very close proximity again with those electronic devices to to vital organs of your body. So just limit that however you can.
0: Okay. Well, I know because you deal with this on a daily basis, what are some of the tricks that you can leave us with? And then please tell us a little bit about where people can find you, especially lo- a lot of our lo- our listeners are local. But I think they can find you online as well. Um, so leave us with that. What's a, a, a trick that we need to know as parents and then where we, where we can find you for other advice?
1: Right. Well, um, a, a little trick that a lot of uh, parents really need to know is actually, especially with iPhones, and I'm going to speak about iPhones in particular and uh, iOS devices, um, is restrictions passcode. So there is a passcode. Everyone's familiar with passcodes on their iPhone. You have your passcode to log in and unlock the display and do this and do that. There's actually a restrictions passcode that is deep in the settings where you can set that and it basically keeps your child from changing pretty much most settings on the phone. It's a four digit. Um, Uh, restrictions passcode um, and it cannot be reset by factory and resetting the device or doing a hard reset of the device uh, basically to get that disabled the person that created it needs to needs to disable that Um, I don't know exactly the scope of everything that it covers and changes in terms of what can and can't be done uh, entirely uh, but I knew I know that it does um, directly reflect on things like parental restrictions like screen time uh, things of that nature um where uh and access to app stores and you know basically where they can freely use your account if you have connected accounts and you know with uh, uh credit cards or debit cards connected to those accounts where they won't, won't be able to you know purchase things willy-nilly in the app store you know with that so mm-hmm. um again that's something that i uh or my specifically my technician steven um at cpr i uh, would be able to show you how to set basically give you the the pros and cons of something like that. But uh, we are on Highway 12 in Starkville. We are right across from Pizza Hut and Napa Auto Parts. Um, There is a little strip mall uh, where the Asian market is. A lot of your listeners might have eaten there. It's a great place. Oh, I love that place. Yes, so good. We are in that same little strip mall. So we're right there in between on that side of the road, uh, Dewey's Pawn Shop and that Walgreens right there at the corner of Louisville Street and Highway 12. So um, definitely encourage all your listeners to give us a call. Uh, Our phone number at the store is 662 Six one seven five three six two. Our website is just cellphonerepair.com/starkville, um, and yeah, uh, you can find us on Google and Yelp and pretty much anywhere else. And uh, you know, we'll be happy to help anybody. Well, I uh, hope any you don't have can. to.
0: Hope you don't have to help us again anytime soon. We've been in there a lot this year, <laughs> but we really, really appreciate. <laughs> you, you,
1: you, You keep the doors open for us, Ms. Allison. We appreciate it.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you for your time, and I hope everybody found some tip that they didn't know. And if you can't figure it out on the settings, go see Jonathan, and he'll help you figure it out. Thank you for joining us today. And we're having our own reset retreat um, pretty soon at the homestead, so we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I do think your best point was that we model what we want our children to do. And so if we are using our, our phones excessively and addictively, which many of us are, then we've got to really look at our behavior first. So thank you so much, and I hope you have a great week.
1: Wonderful. It was great being here. Thank you.